This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 5, Episode 9, Character Arcs with John Brown. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And I'm John with my nose. <laughs> we, welcome, we welcome John. We're glad that he brought his nose with him. Um, what's well, left? It was it was dicey. Yeah, I almost didn't. Ma- I almost didn't. Did ma- you John, just say dicey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or diced? John braved cancer and surgery today, yeah. didn't you? Did and is still here with us. Coming, yes. <laughs> Um, fortunately, it wasn't the kill you type of cancer he's explained to me. So yeah. no. this is opposite of most of our guests who get cancer after being on our show. <laughs> uh, character arcs, yay! Okay, we want to talk about what we do when we're building an actual arc for a character. Um, let's define it. What's character arc? Mm, Howard. <laughs> okay, um, Dang it. it's it, it, it <laughs> is that character's. One. It is that character's plot line. The, the path that they take from the beginning of the book to the end of the book mm-hmm. and the shape of that path. When we, when we say arc, we're usually talking about the narrative curve, the, you know, the structure of a narrative curve. Um, and a character arc is that character's narrative curve you know, okay. as, it, as it climbs to... How, how they change and how they grow and you know, if they change and grow at all. Right. Yeah. So, um, well, I'd just like to add there's... Uh, if you look at it, well, at least when I look at character arcs, there can be kind of two varieties of character arcs. Well, I guess maybe three. One is, it is the problem. And you see this in like the movie about a boy mm-hmm. where it, there's a romance plot, but it's the problem. And it's the, it's the central story concept, and they're overcoming that. Another is, it's the key to unlocking whatever the central story problem is, characters got to make a change. Luke, you know, trust your, mm-hmm. trust the force, and then that solves the story problem. And then sometimes there are character arcs that are just subplots. They really don't, they don't add up. But okay. but it's always something where they're they're learning something. Okay. So yeah. do you guys do this intentionally, Dan? Do you put this intentionally into your books? Like, do you sit sort when you're of? planning? Do you say this is going to be my character arc? No. No. Okay. But I do sit and I Just think, shoot me down. what is going to be interesting for this character to deal with? Okay. And I know that if I start off with an issue like that, or a question or a problem, that it is going to change the character. <clears throat> right. And that is going to create an arc. Right. So I don't necessarily look at it as, what do I want my character to learn, but what do I want to throw at him, and then he'll learn on his own. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, I take it from a, a slightly different standpoint, because I'm working with the same ensemble of uh, characters uh, day in and day out. Um, <laughs> and, only in an excited way. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, only with funny and action. And I, when I start a book and I begin putting characters into play, I look at them and I ask myself, do I want this character to end this book in the same place or in, in a different place, emotionally or spiritually or okay. structurally or whatever. Um, and that immediately informs my decisions as to what that character is going to have to deal with. You know, I, sometimes I introduce a character early in a book and I look at them and realize, 
I don't really care whether this character ends up in a new place. Therefore, they were just a walk-on for this joke. I'm not going to worry about developing uh, developing a big arc for them. Well, something I've noticed about you, though, Howard, um, if I, you don't mind me put you, putting you on the spot, a lot of times it looks like when you're, you'll build a storyline, you'll say, I'm going to take one of these characters who was just kind of standing in the background or walking on for jokes occasionally, and now they're going to have an arc. And yes. that's when they blossom into main character territory. Yes, and I can't do that with everybody for every book. If mm -hmm. anything, if, if anything is, is something that I've identified myself as a weakness, it's the inability of the form I'm working in, which is a serial comic strip, for me to make it a little more real-worldy so that all of these people are having lives in parallel instead of... Yeah, but then nothing would happen. Exactly. Then nothing yeah. would happen and it would mm -hmm. be a... It would be an epic fantasy. <laughs> oh. oh, burn! Body blow. Oh. I like that. John, do you do this intentionally? Do you um, write boring epic? I mean, do you... No, no. I go for boring every time. Yeah. Quotidian. Um, I, I do kind of two things. I do what Dan does. I'd say, here's an issue. And then if the character learns something from it, great. And if they don't, I don't care. It doesn't... Uh, because I don't think that has to be in every story. But then there are other times when I'm like, no, the effect that I want is I want them to have to face this thing, make a decision to change or learn something, and then have that be tested. Okay. And, I, and so there are like redemption stories that, you know, and, and redemption things like with, in this book, the second book that I've got, one of my main characters, it's a redemption story for him. And he has to make a specific decision. He starts one place. He has to make this specific decision in a dilemma type situation. And then it has to be tested. And so that was something that I consciously plotted out and said, I know I need to have this scene and I need to have this and this. And I got to look for things that would force him along that way or lead him to that decision. And so I kind of do both. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I do that same thing. You know, I, I need to look for look for events and choices and whatever that's going to lead my character along. Yeah. And I specifically, when I sit down, I will write out on pages and brainstorm, you know, what are things I can do that will touch this nerve and that yeah. will force this character into action. And then I'll just throw them into the story. Yep. Okay. Here's a question for you. This is something I run into. The number one thing that will ruin my ability to work on a story when something is going wrong, it's when a character arc is failing. How do you, do you, does this happen to you guys? How do you recognize if something's going wrong? Uh, my, the first sign is if I made the decision early in the book that this character is going to end up in a different place, and halfway through the book I start writing that character and realize that I no longer care. Okay. And that's, I mean, we've talked about that Big before. Problem. When you're writing something mm -hmm. and you're bored, right. the reader is doomed. <laughs> yeah. That is, a, yeah. that is a good point. Um, though as a writer, I like to re reinforce to new writers, Learning how to decide when you're legitimately bored and when you're just, <clears throat> you know, it's hard work yeah. sometimes to write books. Yeah. Distinguishing when it's boring and when it's just hard, those are two different things, and that's, that's really hard to figure out. So, but it, for you, it's when you're bored with the character. Well, yeah, and it's, let me, let me rephrase it then a little bit, because there's the hard part in the middle, which, again, we've talked yeah. about at length. I'm talking about when I'm writing the hard part in the middle, and I realize that whatever the payoff is that I thought I had planned... I no longer care about. And it's not that I don't care because it's too hard getting there. It's right. that it's, I've lost interest in it. You know, that's actually a, a very good description for what happens to me. Um, 
when a character arc just isn't working. I think about Seized in, um, in the third Mistborn book. And this character needed a major overhaul. And it was basically because I was kind of bored and, and annoyed at the character. And also my writing group was bored and annoyed with the character. I remember and being I, greatly yeah. annoyed at that character. <clears throat> yeah, thank you for your annoyance, Dan. Yeah, no problem. Um, but then it, it worked very well yeah. when, when, when in the final version. Right. So what did you do? Um, what I had to do is I had to essentially rip the character out and start from scratch where they, they had been. Because um, as we've discussed, I'm mostly a, one, a, a, an outliner, except when it comes to characters. And I grow my characters. I'm more of a, more of a, a, a gardener. Or a, um, a it's an organic yeah. process, and I had to start him over. And the really big difference for me was giving him um, stepping stones as a progress, something he could be working on that he could slowly be progressing mm-hmm. through. Even though it was actually kind of a downward progress, because what he was doing yeah. was he started w- lurking through all the religions in the world to see if he could find one that he thought was true, and he was eliminating them one by one. And his depression was mounting as he eliminated each of them, but there was still progress, and that was different from starting the book majorly depressed that there was no truth in the world. World, slowly stepping toward it mm. makes for an arc for the character. And again, it was missing that arc. What the problem was, I started with him, him with an, started with him in a place, and he just kind of spiraled around that same place for the whole book. Even though he was going places yeah. Yeah. emotionally, he was just the same person. And no he needed progress. to have something. He needed to actually start and slide down yeah. into well, that. Well, that's why we call this an arc because yeah. the the character actually physically needs to move. You know, they 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 need to change. There needs to be something it's, moving them. It's from an place arc, to not place. a spiral circling well, the brain. Well, and you can look <laughs> at it. There, spiral. There can be right uh, two types of arc. You know, if you're looking at it, there there's a character arc where it's the character doesn't. The character is ignorant of something. I, I don't know if you guys are considering this. But there's a, a character that is ignorant of something. So they're learning as they go. And then, oh, now I'm not ignorant of that anymore. And then there's a character arc where it's, you're making the progress by deciding to be a different thing. I think of The Last Samurai. Did you guys ever see that with Tom Cruise? Okay. I love that movie. And he made it. And and that follows perfectly the character arc that I'm talking about, where he was, he was a, he had made a terrible decision and you saw that and the results. But in the end, it was all these events that helped him then make a new decision, and it wasn't. It, but and you, but you're not going to get that progress until you start seeing him go towards that decision. And I think the decision's a, a critical thing in that. So, I, with Says, it was it. It wasn't a decision. It was. Was it a decision? It was a less, decision for hope, or it, or was something. I, I can't give it away without really spoiling no, the book. Um, but it was a sense of progress. It was yeah. steps that he could yeah. move toward. But let's um, let's do our book of the week. Um, John, you were going to promo a book for us this week. Oh, yeah. I love Jonathan Stroud's uh, The Amulet of Samarkand or Samarkand or whatever. I don't even say that. <laughs> Read by Simon Jones. It's, uh, it's hilarious. It's got this, uh, it's a fantasy. And uh, it's all about, uh, the, the whole series is about being able to call forth these demons, summon demons, which, you know, you'd think, well, that's been done a million times. But the way that he does it, and you've got uh, a main character that is a demon with an attitude. And it's just, it's just hilarious. It's wonderful. And Simon Jones does a fabulous job. All right. Um, go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to download a free copy of the book. They have it on Audible. Um, start your 15-day free trial. Details are on our website. All right. <clears throat> Let's talk for the rest of the podcast about really stepping through our prog- uh, process and talking for the, for the writers. How do we actually build an arc? What specific choices are we making? What specific things are we doing with our, our characters to make them have to do this? Um, what, what is conscious? What is unconscious? 
Okay, um, in Mr. Monster, my second book, I knew that I wanted John to have a very heroic arc. I wanted him to accomplish okay. something very cool. And halfway through the book, for me, that meant he needed to get to a very low point. Okay. Uh, because if, if I wanted him to end heroic, I wanted there to be, you know, I, you had to put that in danger. You had to fall down into a pit and then crawl back out of it. And the deeper the pit, the more heroic the crawling would be okay. at the end. And, um, so how did you push him down that pit? Like not, <clears throat> let's not even talk about, let's yeah, talk about not, the not process. But the process yeah, itself. Yeah, the process. Well, I thought about who he was as a character and what he wanted and what he thought he wanted. You know, the various conflicts that he has to deal with. And then, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, come up with lists of things that are going to touch that nerve. Mm -hmm. And found one that I thought was really good that I could develop at the right speed that would force his specific issues into conflict that he couldn't deal with effectively. Okay. Um, I look at my process and I, what I generally do is I, I'm trying to identify what the character wants as I'm writing the character along, as I'm building the character, you know, I know who they are when I start the book, though I don't really get their voice until I've written it for a while. I'll generally be able to define who is this character by what are their goals, what are their motives, what are the things that they desire. Um, and that I try to make overlap the plot. And so that mm -hmm. what they desire is either in conflict with other characters or in conflict with the plot or, you know, until they get what they want or realize they can't have what they want or become who they need to be, the plot can't move forward. Um, and I try to actually overlay these things, and I break it down into steps and say, this is something that they could try. This is something they could try. These sort of specific bullet point method. I've, I've said my outlining method is the bullet point method. Yeah, I think of it like, you know, I, I studied music uh, in college, wrote a lot of music, and I think of it like a musical score where uh, the plot is one of these... Uh, melodic sequences that's running and I identify things that are happening at given points there and then each character is their own instrument and I look at where they start where they have to finish and that identifies you know as you said uh, Dan with uh, Mr. Monster that tells me well you know this character has to have a you know big down moment it has to happen someplace uh, and I start looking at the plot to see where a good place is for that and I'll make a little note. And I'm actually scratching this out on a legal pad, uh, you know, drawing pictures and shapes and identifying with X's and circles, you know, what the high points are, what the low points are. And then when I sit down and start, you know, writing the script notes, I will look at a high point or a low point and think, what is the line of dialogue that exemplifies this high point or this low point? Uh, with, uh, with Tagon in the recent uh, Schlock Mercenary arc, the dialogue bit for the high point that I had identified months earlier was, thank you, now I have a knife, um, <laughs> which he has said just mm -hmm. after pulling a knife out of his own eye. Yes, and one of my favorite moments. It's a, and, and it worked because I, I knew the shape of the story and then I assigned a bit of dialogue to it way in advance that I knew I had to set up and then I was able, you know, from, from weeks and months earlier, I was able to put all the necessary pieces in place in order to pull that off. John? So when I, when I do character arcs, I, I think about my stories as uh, problems. And they're problems of a certain type. And, and so uh, I will look at it and I'll say, I have a character has this problem. And is there something internal in the character that is going to be a complication to this? Is there something that 
that they've got to switch what they think or believe? And if so, if that's going to be a complication, then I want to know what would, what, like Dan was saying, what are, what are some events, what are some things that would occur that would give them enlightenment or push them to some way? And if it's a, if it's a character arc where they have to make a decision, then I want to put them, I want to develop and think ahead and say, what is, what's going to be their dilemma moment? their moment where they have to make that awful choice and then they're rewarded, right? It looks like they're going to lose everything because they've made that decision, but they're rewarded for it. And so that's, that's kind of how I look at it. So, so sometimes my characters will have arcs um, and sometimes they won't have any arcs at all. And the arc is just the external plot. Okay. So that's kind of how I look at it. I'm, I'm always trying to build an arc. I always want my character to be moving somewhere. When I'm not moving somewhere... That's when things feel wrong to me. And so they've got to be, there's got to be motion to who they are. My characters have to be dynamic. Um, and that's, that's really what makes a book and a character work for me, is that they, aren't, they don't simply exist, they are becoming something. Yeah. Now, there are times with some of my characters when I've decided that they are going to remain in the same place, and I know that they need to appear multiple times during the book, uh, it can be just as powerful to touch on that character and to have that character make the visible decision to stay in the same place. Uh, that in and of itself can be an arc. Right. Um, and it, yeah, it supports them as a character. Well, it feels it's, real. It, it's mm-hmm. something else that's very important. Um, we're really running a long time, but well, I want to point out that um, you're working in extreme long form. Um, and extreme long form, I've noticed, for instance, you have to take either smaller bites or you have to touch on characters less often, or some characters simply have to have arrived at where they essentially want to be. I look at, I look at um, there, there are certain characters in The Wheel of Time who have actually gone through their arc and arrived at where they need to be, and forcing another arc upon them would just right. s- start right. ruining the story by making it feel like, oh, now we have to just come up with something new. And you'll see this in films where they do the second film. They're like, well, that character had a great arc. We want to do that again. And they start them over mm-hmm. or they give them something, some completely new thing that doesn't fit at all with who they are. Um, and sometimes it is important to just get the character where they are and say this character is who they are. Yeah. I just wanted to say that because whenever this comes up, it always seems like there's a lot of people who feel, oh, you must have this. Like, I just read this guy, Larry, uh, I read a, Larry Brooks. He has some thing about plot out there and Sid Field and all these other guys. And they always include this character arc that you must have this character arc. And I think that's, I think that's wrongheaded. There are tons of great stories, but there's hardly any character arc at all. All right, let's let's end there, Dan. You complained earlier when I um, when I threw a question at Howard. Your reward is you get to give us our story prompt. Oh, sweet. Well, all right then. Um, your your characters are trapped on an emotionally responsive roller coaster that mimics their own emotional arc. <laughs> How do they use that knowledge to escape? Oh, that's genius, man. Okay, you just earned your check. Yay! Um, this has been Ryan Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go right. Whee! Oh, this is great fun. Hey, you know what? Before we go, before we go, uh, today, 
you're supposed to, is it today? Is it Tuesday yet? I don't know when you guys are listening November to this. 2nd. November 2nd. You're supposed to go to the polls and vote, and we all think that voting is awesome um, because we should be involved citizens. And you should go buy a copy of John Brown's book, Servant of a Dark God, which is available in paperback today. John Brown, Servant of a Dark God, paperback. Go vote and buy a book. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.